Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. Hey everyone, welcome back to a right way podcast that finally has just the two of us. We've been putting out back-to-back interviews lately because we have so many amazing ones um, in the pipeline. But today we are going to talk about something that has been very buzzworthy and trendy and also really appearing in my life constantly. And that is the idea of building a quote-unquote high concept idea. Now, it gives me it, it like gives me uh goosebumps, like anxiety goosebumps just to mention the term. Yeah. Concept. I mean, it's, you know, it's something that I've I've heard over and over again from editors, from agents, like, oh, you just got to come up with that high concept idea. And I think for a lot of people they don't even know what that means, and I'm not sure if I even understand it completely, but what I've come to kind of understand is it's based kind of on a a simple what-if premise that can be pitched very easily in one to three sentences. And we'll kind of get into like all the different ways to create a high concept idea, but I was looking up some fun just one-liners, and I actually wanted to to say them to see if you know what these these are movies. This is not like this isn't a book. But. Well, and I I think we should uh, we should say that I, the high the, the idea of high concept is something that was first kind of perpetuated in uh, the film industry yeah. because it's 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 a much more kind of commercial um, marketplace. And yeah, and I think we'll we'll talk about it in a minute, but uh, it, it is something that I, I think can e- be easily misconstrued. Completely. Uh, the term, yeah. So, uh, what do you got? Yeah, let's, you see, got, if, let's uh, see if these are, wise. are really yeah. um, high concept enough that you, you understand them. Um, suicidal man learns what life in his town would be like if he had never been born. Uh, it's a wonderful life. Yep. Jamaican bobsled team competes in the Olympics. Uh, cool runnings. Yep. Kid becomes a space wizard to thwart an evil empire. I mean, Star Wars. Yep. <laughs> there we go. These are like all too easy for you. But <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. They're so recognizable, yeah. right? And they're, I feel like a lot of times with books, not necessarily film, but with books, we, you know, we try to overcomplicate it. I'm the worst. Like when someone's like, what's your book about? You know, I've I've written books that I can sum up very easily in one sentence. And then I have like two books I can sum up in one sentence. Two books. I'm like, how much time do you have? Because there's no well, simple hook. But right. But I think that's the issue. I think uh, here's why I think high concept is a huge problem. <laughs> Let me say what I think. Um, I think high concept is a huge problem because I think what it's perpetuated is a a form of ideation and conception that's that diminishes the potential for an idea to for for a for a book or a movie to be complex. So I think I think what we've encouraged market-wise and commercially is for creatives to think in terms of high concept. And I think that's a problem mm-hmm. because 
in its in its very nature, high concept is fucking derivative. Yeah, I'm it sorry is. to say that. It is, and it that is. doesn't mean it's not good. I don't, and I I love high concept shit. I mean, Star Wars is like I am I am the fucking audience for that. But um, and for for anyone kind of curious about it, the I think the misconception comes from the fact that like the term high concept sounds like it it. It is complex, but really high concept, like you said, Rhea, is something that can be is something that can be where the the story itself, the narrative itself, the plot itself utilizes conventions where you can presume certain things so you can pitch it in three sentences. But if we're thinking from that place, we're not learning how to take our our potentially complex idea and distill it down to a high concept pitch. I think the issue is we need high concept pitches, hmm. but that doesn't mean we need high concept fucking books. Well, yeah, and most high concept books, I feel like are really built on known archetypes, kind of, oh, you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. we are we are all kind of borrowing from it, but um, I was just having a conversation with an editor the other day and I asked her, she's potentially interested in, in um, a book that I'm writing that's a little bit darker. And I asked her, so tell me, what would you like to see that you haven't seen before? And instead of coming up with something radically new, she was like, oh, I mean, I'd really, I, I know everyone says it, but I'd love to see the next Gone Girl. And Gillian Flynn, like, really fucked everyone because in um, <laughs> psychological suspense, because even though that book is now so many years old, it's still kind of the benchmark of what a good psychological suspense book should feel like. It was very high concept. But I, where I kind of get, you know, messed up with this whole thing is that when you sit down to write, like you want to write the story that you absolutely need to tell. You don't want to write the story that you absolutely think will sell. And I mean, ideally, yeah, sure, you want to do both. But I think when it comes to writing, there are so many steps before you reach that publishing point. And I'm very guilty of like, wanting to start there, like, okay, let me think about like, what would sell and what has no one done before and versus like feeling compelled to just like, write the damn story that I want to write and then make sure that it is hitting upon those, you know, certain elements in different genres. And I was I was having a conversation with my editor at St. Martin's Press, and we were talking about this. And I something had gotten lost in translation where I thought my team was saying, I don't have high concept ideas. And I was like, well, shit, what what's a high concept idea? Like I've done a reverse kidnapping. I've done a blind widow whose baby was, you know, snatched. I've done like this crazy sociopath, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, no, 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 your books are incredibly high concept. Um, and so we kind of like dug into that conversation. But, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, what would be your your advice, right? Like if you're wanting to write something to sell, to make a splash, like, do you sit down and really map out that high concept pitch and what it could look like? Or do you start with the writing and just writing the story that you want to tell? Well, that's the, well, I think you've hit on, I think bringing up Gone Girl, I think you've hit on an amazing thing. And I think you've, you've struck like the inherent flaw of, of high concept and, you know, commercializing and commodifying art. 
Um, because like a film, a movie, a book, like that's all art, but we are, we exist in this marketplace where the success of a thing or the quality of a thing is measured by how many people buy it. And I think that's super unfortunate because also like think of every great writer, think of some of like your most favorite writers. And guess what? A lot of them were, or any of your great artists who were like destitute and penniless at their death and their worth and their value were only discovered posthumously when we were like, oh yeah, none of us gave a shit about Vincent van Gogh. And then he fucking died. And then we were all like, oh yeah, he was a genius. Yes. Okay, great. Um, what is that? Does that, that does nothing for the artist. And I think like the problem with high concept is because it's so inextricably tied to sales, to, um, commercial, to commercialism is that that is the thing that we do is like when something comes along that, that is high concept and defines a particular genre or subgenre, then we like just as a shortcut to a green light, we have to measure every subsequent uh, project in that genre by that thing. So like, you know, they talk about this in the film industry all the time. After Die Hard came out at like every pitch for an action movie became like Die Hard on a bus. It became, it became so intensely, um, uh, like omnipresent in that, in that vernacular for pitching those particular types of movies that they, that even those twists on that genre became derivative until someone actually pitched die hard in a building. And all of the executives were like, that's die hard. You fucking asshat. Like the, the so this is what happens. So eventually someone's just going to like, you're going to run out of like the next gone girl. Like what? I mean, what does that even mean? So then, unfortunately, what a writer does is they sit down and they try to write Gone Girl instead of trying to write what is important to them. And look, if importance to to someone is is that, is selling, is commercial success, then by all means, take a look at what's popular. Take a look at what's selling. But I would I would argue for any creator out there not to like pattern something that they're working on after something else that's been successful. Don't try to write the next Gone Girl. Write the first whatever you fucking like. I, Mar Let's talk about our episode with our interview with Margaret Riley King, which what a what a what a a, a great clarity, uh, a, a super agent for WME, one of the biggest agency houses, if not the biggest in in the world. What she said was, write what feels right. I mean, do you need that? Yep, yep. So I would say, like, I don't know if there is advice because I think, aren't we all just going to, like, do what we do? But, man, it's like, it's it, it's the, the idea of building a high-concept project, to me, is is bleak and limiting yeah and you know i do think for some people though who say there are a couple books in and they're like shit i need to stay relevant i gotta come up with my next great idea and i do think there are some ways to kind of like pick from that that idea well that you might not have thought about you said one thing um which seems pretty obvious but is is great i mean we tell our nonfiction authors to do it all the time but like seeing what is currently on shelves, what is selling, what's on the screen, like what 
tends to be the trends and maybe even trying to go beyond that. Um, you know, some people like with high concept, they'll combine genres, um, which can be, can be somewhat effective in like kind of creating, you know, a whole or new. Or like you, I, I think yeah. you did. I think, yeah. I think, I think you wrote for all of your books. I think you've written stories that were speaking to you first and then either found a way in or were able to distill it down. And then also, I mean, not her daughter is like a perfect example of a fresh twist on a genre. Like well, it's, thanks. it. well, you're welcome, but it is, it's a reverse kidnapping story. Like who's doing that? <laughs> you know, I, I think that's a, I think that's a great question. And I think that, you know, I think unfortunately sometimes like sometimes those things happen and like, look at some of your favorite and most underappreciated or, or, uh, or undervalued movies or books or pieces of art where it's like, Oh, I think like mass audiences are just not getting this. I'm not saying that that's true about your book, but like, I think there are certain movies that I love where I'm like, Oh, you're not, but, 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 but the, the, the a large swath of, of a viewing pub public or a reading public is not, not getting this. And I think, I think that's because the market presumes that. And so the market favors oftentimes just the, you know, the high concept stuff, the stuff that really plays to all the tropes and really plays to all of the, definitely uh, those particular elements. Yeah, And you can twist a trope like in, I mean, yeah. Hannibal Lecter, um, if a serial killer is aiding the protagonist, you know, that's, that's twisting something. I mean, that's an old example, but there are ways I feel like that that people can do that. Um, something that always, you know, is suggested to me by a lot of my suspense friends, and this is where they, <laughs> they get their ideas, whether they're high concept or not, is they like rip specifically from headlines, from news headlines. Like they look mm. at like what's going on, like murders, crazy cases, like what's kind of happening. And then, or, or real life issues. Um, Angie Thomas's, uh, the hate you give, what a popular, oh, yeah. amazing oh, book that was. And yeah. that was so timely. I mean, a, a very heavy book about some, some very serious issues, but she, you know, I don't I hate to use the word capitalized, but like the the timing was so right and so relevant for her to talk about that. And it just hit in a really, a really big way. And that's definitely considered, you know, high concept. Um, I also think Can like, I, oh, go I'm ahead. sorry to inter interrupt you. I have a question for you. Like, do you feel so in your career, uh, especially in your you know, you have a very like m varied and multifarious career, but like in your career as a fiction writer, did you feel recently in this conversation with your publisher that that was kind of the first time you'd encountered the concept, like yeah. the, the idea of high concept? Definitely. I mean, when, when I set out to write, like I, I knew with not her daughter, it was something different. I was like, Ooh, I haven't, you know, cause I kind of scoured what was out there. I, I didn't set out to write in a genre, but it seemed different. I wasn't seeing that on TV. I hadn't read about it in a book. So I was like, ooh, this is cool. But I never once <laughs> sat down and was like, I'm writing something that's high concept. Like, it's not just like, you know, when they told me what genre I was in, it's the same thing. It was all kind of new, which I think is a really beautiful place to be in before you are published, before you step into that world, just like creating something that sounds really cool to you, you know? And I knew I was going to write that book like, whether, I mean, I really believed it was going to get published, but I would have been just as pleased when it was done, 
you know, if it landed a publisher or if it didn't, because it's just a story that I needed to get out. Um, and one thing like in looking at that book and just like thinking about high concept, I mean, I tend to, I, I do tend to kind of like to develop characters and all of that, but I think action over introspection really like most high concept stories that I know are very plot forward. I can't think of a ton that are like literary fiction or like super, you know, just like slow and, and kind of Cerebral. big emotional arcs and, and all of that. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, really paying attention to the plot is important. And sometimes I lose sight of that as a writer. Like I just, uh, how do you mean? I don't know. I feel like I'm not always so focused on the action and the plot. I'm, I get, I get a little lost in my, in my characters and, always forgetting, like, especially in, in a genre, like the plot, you know, there needs to be high stakes. There, there needs to be twists and turns and not for the sake of twists and turns. But this, this, you know, potential new editor I talked to the other day was like, I, you know, I had a synopsis of this book and she was like, yeah, this is, this is great. But like, I'd love to see a few more twists and turns along the way. And so as a writer, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's an interesting place to be in, right? Like you're not, and this was my fault for only creating a partial and not writing the whole book. But like, you know, do you then go in and put those twists and turns because someone wants them? Or do you sit down and just keep going and, and see where the story leads you? I mean, I think that's a question for every writer out there. And it really comes back to like what you want and what game you're willing to play and Ooh. what you're doing this for. Well, I think that's <laughs> great advice. And I, I would probably say that like, I'm so guilty of that even with clients. And really, I think one of the the elements maybe in an edit or especially like a like manuscript development or a developmental edit, one thing that I'm always chasing, and I don't know if this is like a, a holistic observation or if it's just like my personal preference as a, as a reader where I'm reading something more as a reader than an editor um, is, is like, you know, for lack of a better term, like chasing action and being like, okay, what happens next? What are the stakes? What's like, I, I, and I feel maybe I'm like kind of heavily influenced by, by the approach of, of screenwriting and screenwriting culture where you, just by virtue of the form, it's like the 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 form there dictates like the the immediacy. The form requires action because a movie has to m has only a certain amount of time to get the story told. But with a book, isn't 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 the whole point of tackling the form of like a novel or a short story to have a certain amount of you know maybe maybe freedom is a pejorative term um, because that somehow indicates that writing prose is easy, which it's obviously not, but isn't, isn't the whole point to be able to explore the internal life of characters to be able to like, you know, wax, you know, again, for lack of a better term, like wax poetic and indulge in, um, in the, the, the world of a thing, the, the either internal world, external world, like, isn't that the point? Isn't that why we're writing Pros. I mean, I would like to say yes. I do feel like readers' attention spans have become shorter and shorter, and we're so used to being shocked, action, like twists, turns. I mean, look at anything that's on TV. I feel like that's super popular. It's just gotten darker and darker and darker and darker. 
um, which is which is so interesting. And one thing we haven't talked about that I think people can do and have done really well when it comes to high concept is is putting a new spin on a classic. And one of the best examples of that was AJ Finn with his uh, the woman the woman in the window, um, which was a spinoff of Rear Window. And I mean, that book, you know, it got a seven figure book deal, his first book out, it got a seven figure movie deal. And it was not that original. I mean, it was it was done so well, like my I remember my writing group, we dissected that book, like chapter by chapter and looked at exactly what he did and how he did it. And um, I mean, that book was such a massive massive hit. And it was so, it was such an easy thing to pitch because a lot of people are very familiar with Rear Window and already knew the formula, but it, the stakes were different. The characters were different. Um, but this, the premise, you know, quote unquote, was kind of the same. So a lot of people will have, you know, they have some success trying to do that. I think, you know, ripping off a classic, not ripping off classic, but putting a spin on it can be somewhat challenging but for some reason when he did that that worked phenomenally well, well. i think there's a <laughs> you know there's an old kind of like um i don't know if you call it an adage but like in even in uh in acting um which um is probably it's probably the art and the craft that has like the least amount of agency hilariously um but uh you know actors are always kind of as they're trying to sell themselves and 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 make uh, get kind of a toehold in the industry. There's constantly that idea of like pitching yourself as quote unquote like the next you know whoever the next Keanu Reeves or whatever. Really? Um, <laughs> and I think that yeah, I know. Right? Well, um, I think that there's there's and there's always kind of like a a clever retort to that, which is like stop trying to be the next whoever, just be the first you. Love that. And you know, this is this is a piece that I heard when we were in writing school at Columbia. Um, I'd heard often um from from uh, an instructor was no one, no matter what the concept, no matter what the premise, no matter what the take, no matter what the world, no matter what the point of view, if you are true to yourself, if you are if you are trying to to tap into what you really want to what story you really want to tell no one is going to do it like you do it so that's why i do think oftentimes like a twist on a genre or a twist as long as you're staying true or as as margaret riley king said as long as you're writing what feels right it, it's it's not going to seem like a facsimile it's not going to seem like a copy because your your voice is one that we haven't heard before. And, you know, high concept, too, doesn't necessarily translate to success or sales. And that's what can be so frustrating, right? Like, you can sell something that has all the hype in the world and, like, this is going to be huge. And then for some reason, whether it's timing, what else is going on in the world, like, it just doesn't perform. So I think that is the danger. If you sit down to create something with the with the intention of it being high concept and it falls flat, then are you still pleased with what you have created? I mean, I think it goes back to just your intention, your goals, your big why, what success looks like for you, and really spending time there. I, I feel like we don't spend enough time there as writers. And if we do, 
then I think we can kind of be led to the stories that we really want to tell. And, you know, recently I was kind of just banging my head against the wall. Like I had two partials out and I don't know why I didn't sit down to finish them. I think I, you know, I'm so eager, like got to sell another book, got to sell another book. And then we went on vacation recently and within five minutes of being there and my daughter was in the ocean and I was standing you know, um, I wasn't in with her yet because we had just gotten there and she rushed from the car and like got right into the ocean. And I was watching her and came up with this almost like speculative fiction idea that just seized me. And I think it was, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't putting pressure on myself. I wasn't trying to like put something in a box and it just came to me. And I feel like The best ideas, when you don't squeeze them and when you don't try so hard, they can find you. And I think that's such an underrated piece of advice is like, just relax. Like, if you're a writer, ideas will find you. You don't often have to go hunting for them. Um, And of course, you'll work them out, you know, on the page, day by day, step by step. But as one of our recent podcast guests, William Knauer, said in his incredible book, Everyone Has What It Takes, if you don't enjoy every part of this process, like if you're sitting down and all you're thinking about is getting published, there are so many steps that have to happen in order for you to get there. And it's going to be miserable. So you need to be present for each part of the process. That includes the writer's block. That includes the self-doubt. That includes being in the flow state. That includes the uncertainty about being published and just kind of allow instead of force. And that's something I'm really trying to to work with myself. But when you do that and when you make room to receive ideas and like declutter your brain and stop doubting yourself and like just just create the space for the ideas to find you, you know, if it's if it's the right idea, then I think you can define it as high concept and, you know, it, it doesn't have to be defined for you. Well, I think, yeah, that, and that is all great. And I feel like I went into this conversation, like ruining the idea of self-concept. And now I'm, <laughs> I'm really feeling invigorated by this point. <laughs> um, and I also want to say I did, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who is, uh, who is a TV and film producer. And, you know, that is an industry where, um, I think, I, I think the general, again, misperception is that's where the art isn't. And I know that I said that and even earlier in this conversation that it is a very commercial and it's a kind of kill or be killed kind of. Um, but I also think that even underappreciated or even undervalued or even, um, you know, really notable works that kind of come out, like you mentioned, at, at poor timing or like what's going on in the world um, that kind of can kind of affect something's quote unquote commercial success. I, I think that good stuff also manages to somehow still rise to the top. And we were having a conversation and he was saying he's got a number of projects in development right now. And he made the same comment. And he said, I, I think we were actually talking about that Netflix special that I told you to watch that, that in Bo mm-hmm. Burnham's inside, which mm-hmm. is remarkable for this very reason. It's unlike, it's very, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before, but, and it is entertaining, but at its root, it is indescribably personal. 
And I think as long as you are writing from a place of truth, whatever that is, and I'm that doesn't don't presume that I mean like I hate that I hate that phrase like write what you know or like you know I I I I don't believe that you should explore new worlds you should explore new frontiers different genres try try as many different ways of writing as possible but as long as at the root it's coming from somewhere personal it's coming from you I think I think it's going to infuse it with that kind of that the whatever it is whatever factor it is that I'm we're, we're trying to describe here um that makes things good and can potentially make things successful. I agree. And do you think that that also translates to nonfiction? Ooh, I mean, you are the nonfiction, obviously, expert. Um, I I mean, I think that, especially the work that we do, I think that agents and publishers are definitely looking for, we're definitely looking for, There's even there seems to be even less room in, in, the, in the pitch. It's really oh, gotta be uh, like a hundred percent. The the point of that spear has to be really finely, um, finely whittled down to a a fucking point. What do, I mean? What's your what's your take on that? Especially as you have a foot in both worlds, so you know, um, yeah. How do you see it? I mean, I completely agree. I think you know your pitch, the pitch specifically, because again, with nonfiction, most of the time you don't have your book yet. You haven't written your book, so. The pitch is everything in under, it's why we dive so much into competition and, and all of that and looking at what's currently out there because you want to, you do want to be ahead of the curve. You want to be a disruptor. You want to be, you know, beyond the trends. And that's just how I feel in, in everything in my life. We run our business a different way than everyone else does. We are, you know, we don't do content strategy the way everyone else does. We don't interact with our clients the way everyone else does. So I think you have to kind of have that innovative hat on um, a little bit more with nonfiction than fiction. I think, you know, when you're solving a problem, when it's tying into your brand or business, you've got to really think strategically about how you're going to cut through so much noise in this market. There's so many books that are usually pretty similar in in scope. And that's why we don't always say yes. Like lately, I, I've been getting a ton ton of inquiries for memoirs. And they're, you know, these people are like, I don't know if I should traditionally publish or self-publish. And I'm like, man, memoir is the hardest genre to sell traditionally, unless you are a, you know, a celebrity or you do have just some story that people haven't heard before. So I do think with nonfiction, it's very important to be able to sum up your book in a sentence, what is its special value prop? What are you adding to it? And how is it going to gonna stand above the crowd? I think you can actually do that work a little bit more in nonfiction than you can in fiction. Though, I want to see fiction writers. I mean, it's why, it's why we're really trying to get novelists to look at this as a business and your book as a product because fiction writers don't spend enough time thinking about how their book stands apart. What are the the common themes from their books that they can talk about in like interviews and how can they utilize this book and make it like make it an attractive product like to to purchase. Um so I think it all goes goes hand in hand but you know some something that's just relevant for whether you're writing a script, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction is that 
you just have to sit down and carve out time to think. Think this through, like process it, think about it. And, you know, I I think we don't do that enough. I think it's just like, I'm I'm going to either sit down and write or I'm going to I'm going to do my 15 page outline, but really thinking beyond the story, like what happens next and how are you going to talk about it? And the thing with nonfiction specifically is like, you better love what you are writing about because you're going to be talking about it over and over and over again for possibly years to come or even forever. So make sure (laughs) it's something you love. You know, you're not just writing the book you feel you need to write, like write something that moves you, write something that you can speak to. And then the whole high concept will hopefully organically kind of fit into place. Well, see here, I thought this whole episode was just going to be a scathing critique of commercialism, but it's full of incredibly insightful advice. Um, So you all should feel so grateful that you were brave enough to listen to it. (laughs) Um. Yes, check out uh, The Right Way Podcast anywhere you download or get your podcasts. Um, Subscribe, please rate, review, comment, etc. We could use your help in that department. If you are enjoying what we talk about, let us know at podcast at rightwayco, W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O dot com. If you don't like what we're talking about, also feel free to tell us. Um, And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at rightwayco.com. We send out a weekly newsletter full of all kinds of fun um, information, events we have coming up, retreats uh, that we might be putting on very soon. So it is the best way to kind of stay in touch with us and see what's coming up. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Right Way Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. And for more information about Rightway, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services and sign up for our weekly newsletter where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers. 